The Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. You can help us bring the message of the gospel to thousands of listeners each week with your prayerful support and financial gifts. Visit our website, btgprogram.com. Welcome back to the show. Rick Fenson, Zach Barletta, taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program. You can find us on the web, btgprogram.com, or on social media, at btgprogram. Much has been made in recent days of Tennessee's decision to back away from their intent to hire Greg Schiano as their next head football coach. I've been supportive of that choice, regardless of the fact that there's no proof that Schiano had directly witnessed or heard Jerry Sandusky committing his crimes there at Penn State. There is testimony where one man says he heard from another man, and it may have even been one step farther where that man heard it from yet another man, that Greg Schiano was white as a ghost after witnessing Sandusky's crime. Now, there's also testimony from that very person who is alleged to have said that they saw Schiano. That person says, no, I've, I've never said that. I did not see that. I find it hard to believe that there wasn't at least warning signs. But look, for me, even if there weren't proof, and there's not, look, Shiano might be a great coach. He is a good coach. Everybody has given him high remarks. Ohio State thought highly enough of him to hire him. But for me, for my program, if I were in charge, and obviously I'm not, but if I were, I think I'd I'd just avoid it because I don't know for sure. Now, is that fair to Shiano? Probably not. This is a tough matter. You're going on hearsay, but the hearsay is awful. It is, uh, this is one of the worst things you could hear of somebody. For the leader of my program, look, I think I just move on. I'm not making any accusation. I'm just going to move on to avoid any appearance. I don't know for sure what happened, and I'm not going to take the chance. That's just, that's my opinion. I could be wrong. So I needed to get an opinion of somebody that I trusted, somebody that I think is knowledgeable. I wanted to ask a local pastor, and I didn't want to just ask any pastor. I wanted to ask a pastor that had a football background, that understood the game of football. I called my good friend Brett Haas. He's the pastor at First Baptist Church in Elba, New York. Pastor Haas, thanks so much for being on the program. Welcome to the show, by the way. Can you give us some light on this? Can you give us some biblical basis on this situation? How do we respond to this? Well, Rick, thank you for calling, and um, I'll do what I can. Uh, It's a very um, touchy situation, as you know, and uh, there are a lot of variables concerning Greg Schiano and the uh, decision by University of Tennessee to turn away from their offer or uh, their agreement or whatever they had reached with him. Let me just read to you something that uh, came across in the uh, one of the articles that I read that isn't directly answering your question, but it kind of brings up another question. ESPN's Mark Slayback, I hope I'm saying that wrong, uh, contributed to this report. He's quoting a state representative of Tennessee named Jeremy Fison, and he says, quote, the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is the highest paid state employee. And uh, to that, I would ask, 
why? What yeah. does this say about the state of Tennessee? What does it say about our society as a whole when the highest paid state employee is a football coach? And so if there's blame to go around, I think we all share some of the blame. The fact that uh, the highest paid state employee in the state of Tennessee is a, a football coach, we have to look at ourselves as a, as a society and ask, how did we get to this point? But to directly answer your question, um, you know, the accusations that have been brought against uh, Greg Ciano, in fact, uh, as I've looked into it, I only see one accusation. And that's by one person, and it was uh, second or even third-hand information. And so that makes it extremely difficult because, well, it, when you go to the Bible and you're looking at leadership, leadership in, in, in the Bible, First uh, Timothy 5, Paul says, against an elder, receive not accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And so you're not to accept the testimony of one person to condemn uh, an elder uh, or a leader. And, and now, obviously, this is not a spiritual situation or a congregation or church, but uh, your leadership, uh, you should uh, you should not just take one person's word on this. And so that puts it in a, in a, in a dif- difficult situation. Uh, but it also goes on to say in there that uh, them that sin, referring to the elders, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. And so if a leader is out of place, uh, he should be rebuked by more than one witness, and uh, that would cause others to fear. I think a big failure in this whole situation was the decision-making process of the University of Tennessee. I'm sure they put a lot of thought into this, but they reversed their decision pretty quickly. And so it makes you wonder how much they thought this through in the first place. Uh, Proverbs 11 says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And I don't know how much counsel they got now in looking through the testimony of people who've worked with Greg Schiano, uh He seems stellar. I know that the Ohio State University head coach, Urban Meyer, gave him a, a total thumbs up, uh, as did others who've worked with him. Uh, Tennessee Athletic Director John Curry, who made the decision to go back on the agreement, uh, even said, we carefully interviewed and vetted him as we do candidates for all positions. And he received the highest recommendations for character, family values, and commitment to academic achievement and student-athlete welfare from his current and former athletic directors, players, coaching colleagues, and experienced media figures. So by all accounts, the man looks like uh, a great family man, a good coach, um, so why did Tennessee go back on their decision? Well, I don't know, other than when you're putting someone in the place uh, of leadership, you have to be more careful than just any other position, because um, leadership is, uh, he's the face of your organization. And the Bible also says about uh, a leader in First Timothy 3 and choosing a pastor or a bishop, he must have a good report of them which are without. And Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 to abstain from all appearance of evil. And so I I think I would agree that if there was an appearance of evil and uh, a question as to the man's character, that he probably should have been turned down before it ever went public. I think if I understand you right, you were very kind and very gracious in saying I'm wrong. Well, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I don't know that. I don't know that you can say there's a right or a wrong, Rick, on this. Well, that's just concerning it. public opinion. 
I mean, I think your question, they, did they cave to public opinion? Yes, yes, they did. Um, public opinion should always be considered in every decision, but it's not the only consideration and should never be the deciding factor in matters of principle. If, uh, if I think I'm doing the right thing, then public opinion shouldn't matter. That's a great um, point. But to me, the University of Tennessee made a, a grave mistake when they offered him the position. Or, and, and again, that's in question whether it was actually officially offered or not. But they changed very quickly when public opinion was was uh, against them. I think if I had gone through all the vetting process that they went through and thought I was doing the right thing, then I would have stuck with my decision. But uh, again, uh, I'm not going to find fault with erring on the side of, a, of abstaining from all appearance of evil, but I just wish they had thought that through before they went public. I agree with you in that. And I think this is a very hard thing because somebody said something, and as you say, that may have been, may even been second or third hand to hold that against right. Gianna. That That's kind of a tough thing, but I can't mm-hmm. fault somebody if they said, you know what, I just want to avoid... But you think they would have made that decision prior. I I see a lot of people complaining about the Internet, complaining about social media. And I really don't blame social media for this. It's not doing anything that I'm not doing now, that sports media, news, everybody, they're, they're giving their opinion. That's what these talk shows do. And ultimately, those in charge, they either, the decision's theirs. So- should the university have allowed public opinion to sway their decision, do you think? I would say only if after hearing public opinion, they had a change of heart as to the nature of the the situation. Perhaps it brought into question in their minds things they hadn't thought through. Now, how you make a decision as big as choosing your head football coach without thinking those things through ahead of time. To me, that's what really brought the problem on. It wasn't the media. It wasn't the Internet. Uh, it was the fact that maybe they didn't carefully think this thing through before they made their decision. Well, great points. I knew I had called the right guy. Hey, as long as I got you on the phone, you know college football as well as anybody I know. There are numerous scenarios that are going to play out this weekend, which will affect the Final Four playoff teams. But if it were up to you right now, which four get in? Well, right now, Clemson, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Wisconsin. Um, now, that can change this weekend, obviously. Uh, but that, I, I think that um, the ACC champion is a lock. Uh, whether it's Clemson or Miami, whoever wins that game is in. Uh, the SEC champion is a lock, uh, whether that be Georgia or Auburn. And then Oklahoma and Wisconsin are locks if they win. Uh, should Oklahoma or Wisconsin stumble, then you have to look at Alabama, perhaps Georgia if they lose to Auburn, Ohio State, Miami, TCU, and even Southern Cal. Now, I don't think TCU and Southern Cal are going to have an argument uh, compared with the others. So let's just say Oklahoma and Wisconsin both lose. I think Alabama and my choice would be Miami. Uh, I know a lot of people are pushing for Ohio State, but they didn't win their conference. They didn't even go to the conference championship. And uh, Miami has some pretty solid wins on their record. So I would say the ACC champion, the SEC champion, and then Oklahoma, Wisconsin. I think if I'm on the committee, Rick, I'm hoping and praying that Oklahoma and Wisconsin win, then that makes the decision easy. Yeah, it all breaks down after that. Yeah. 
don't discount Alabama. Uh, everybody, a, a, a lot of people across the country were happy that they lost simply because Alabama's a great team and, and you either love them or hate them. It's kind of like your uh, Yankees, you know, everybody <laughs> loves or hates a winner. Yeah, and, and the, the committee put Ohio State in last year and Alabama's basically sitting right. in the same position. So it, I tell you, it's tough. This is why I think there ought to be eight teams or, you know, and if you want to say six, yeah. cause you don't want to go to eight fine. You have some system of two buys, but I think it's just smoother for eight teams. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Should they expand to eight? Philosophically, let me say this first. I, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I would love to see it as a college football fan. It would be great football. But I have to ask myself a question. Does it really matter who's the best? I mean, in the long run, I mean, I, I'm going back to the days when you had the mythical national championship. And at the end, you were either excited or you were disappointed. But uh, in the long run, it's not that important. But as a college football player or as a college football fan, I would love to see a six or eight team format. I think it would be some fantastic football. I think that uh, if you expand it to eight teams, you're really not going to have an argument for someone saying we should have been in. I mean, the number nine team might be upset, but uh, how often does the number nine team really have a legitimate argument for saying we're the best team in the country? Exactly. That's been my basis for my argument all along. Number nine, never. Rarely has a legitimate claim to being number one. But you get to those six or seven or eight Mm-hmm. You do, yeah. oftentimes. I've been saying for a few years now that they would, you know, conference championships the first week of December, quarterfinal round the second week of December, then you have a break and you have uh, four bowl games, two of them consolation for the losers, two of them continuing in the playoffs, and then the mid, uh, mid-January mid you have the national championship game. I like your plan. And, uh, Being an Oklahoma fan, I'm a little surprised to hear you say it doesn't matter who, who's really the best. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for me as a Syracuse fan. It doesn't matter. But yeah. you're from you're well, an Oklahoma I, fan. I would say this. You know, I, I would love to see my Sooners win it all this year. I, uh, not only because I'm a Sooner fan, have been since a child, uh, but my, my, my youngest son, Jonathan, is a big fan. I'd love to see it for him. But looking at them there, they're – uh, you know, I'm a defensive guy. And so my big question is, I don't know if they can handle it defensively. They've gotten better in the last half of the year, but their offense is the best in the country. But, uh, you know, the old saying, defense wins championships. Hopefully they can play well enough to, to, to pull that off. As long as I bothered you and, and got you on the phone, uh, you've got something going on. Charlie Brown Christmas coming up in December. You want to take yes. a minute and tell us the dates and the times and, and wh- how much does it cost? And if somebody wants to go, how do they get tickets? I would love to. Yes, uh, we are blessed to be able to present a Charlie Brown Christmas in conjunction with the Tams Whitmark Music Library in New York City. We are putting on two performances, Friday night, December 15th at 7 p.m., and Sunday night, December 17th at 6 p.m. And uh, there is no cost. It's a free show, but you do need a ticket. And we do have a few tickets left. They're going pretty quickly, and uh, you can reserve a ticket by calling 585-397-8831. And the, the church is located at 31 South Main Street in Elba, and uh, we would love to have anyone who would uh, like to come out. It's uh, you, Everybody knows Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a great little show, and we're doing it live on stage with our kids, and they are absolutely 
adorable when I'm rehearsing with them. Uh, and if I close my eyes and listen to the little boy who's playing Linus, he sounds just like the TV show. <laughs> I think I'm listening to Linus. Yeah. Wow. So uh, you'll love it. Come out uh, enjoy it with us again. That's uh, Friday night, December 15th, and Sunday night, December 17th. Pastor Haas, thank you so much. Thanks for the biblical insight and some good stuff to the discussion. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rick. I love you. I appreciate your friendship and uh, boomer sooner. <laughs> That's Pastor Brett Haas, First Baptist Church of Elba. And if you're not familiar with Pastor Haas, he's a he's a big dude. He's a mountain of a man, but he's a drama guy. This guy puts on great dramas. If, if there's still tickets available to Charlie Brown, give them a call. Go on out there to Elba. And, and see it once again that phone number 585-397-8831 585-397-8831 get yourself tickets to a charlie brown christmas i'm rick benson the guy across the desk from me is zach barletta this is the beyond the game program and we'll be back right after this in the morning when my heart is cold 